It's Palm Sunday. And once again, we tell the story. The story of the crowds welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem by waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna, as he rides into town on the, ba- on the back of a donkey. And we join in. We wave palms and shout and sing the coming of the triumphant king. We, with the multitudes on the streets of Jerusalem, wave the branches because it's a sign of welcome and hospitality. We wave palms joyfully because it's a sign of good things to come. But I recently read an article by an anthropologist that points out that in some cultures, people wave branches to ward off approaching evil and terror. The branches are meant to be an extension of the arms used to protect ourselves from what's to come. And I think that's fitting for us, for the crowd and for Jesus this morning. The palms start out as exuberant outbursts of hospitality, but quickly, almost overnight, quickly they become a dark, ominous attempt to ward off what is coming. For Jesus, it would be the arrest and the torture and the cross. But for the crowd, it's Jesus himself. Maybe we ought to bring palm branches and wave them every Sunday. Because every time we open the Bible, we risk encountering terror. Terror, it seems, is no stranger to the Bible. Because the Bible is often a terrifying book. On Sunday mornings, preachers, me included, work hard to make the Bible sound less terrifying than it actually is. But it's hard when we hear the book of Exodus recount the killing of the firstborn sons at the first Passover. Or in 1 Samuel, Saul's instructions to slaughter the Amalekites down to the very last woman, child, and donkey. And the story of God instructing Abraham to kill and burn on the altar his only son. And it's hard on Sundays like this one, when we know God is preparing another only son for a cross. We often try hard with no success to escape the horror of the text, to hide from the underlying dark and disturbing consequences behind the events of Palm Sunday and this so-called Holy Week that's to come. An innocent man is about to be framed and murdered. And here we are, standing, waving branches, and shouting, Hosanna. The most disturbing thing about this story is that the terror lurking between the lines is so recognizable to us. We see our faces in the faces of the crowd. We're like those who on Sunday adoringly welcome Jesus into Jerusalem only to turn against him in a frenzy of bloodshed and violence by Friday night. We know how it goes, don't we? Falling down before our so-called saviors when we think they'll give us everything our hearts desire and then turning against them in anger and resentment when they fail to offer what we expect. Yet somehow, 
It's almost redemptive to see how plainly and honestly this is presented in the Bible. If the Bible were only about lilies of the valley and birds of the field, it would not be our book. But the Bible is our book. It's about us, the people we actually are rather than the people we wish to be. And that's why it's often a terrifying book, because it's all about us. And while the Bible is so genuinely describes our terrors, the Bible also depicts a God who embraces our depravity and loves us still. God didn't have Jesus stand over Jerusalem washing his hands of our evil motives and selfish sin. God sent Jesus into Jerusalem and through Jerusalem all the way to Calvary. God had Jesus get his hands dirty, called him to be present in our depravity and work for our redemption in ways we're not ready to see. This Savior, our Savior, rode into the middle of the mess knowingly, ready for what's to come. This is not just simply, it's not just to simply improve us, but to radically save us. For most of you, today's service is probably going to be different than any other Palm Sunday service that you've ever experienced. It's similar to a service that I first experienced in seminary at a Presbyterian church in downtown Princeton almost 20 years ago. It's a service that seems to always be with me. That's probably because as, as this long, violent, dramatic story is read, the tensions build. We know how the story ends. We know because it's the way the story always ends, in betrayal and violence and death. And the epitome of this terrible knowledge is the point of the story which we are about to hear and read together. The story when Jesus stands before his accusers and is made to face the crowd. The same crowd who yelled Hosanna when he rode into Jerusalem just a few days before now screams crucify. It's the same voices that rise out of the congregation. They're our voices spoken in our language with our accents. They're the voices of our brothers and sisters, our families and our friends. They're our voices, and it's a stunning moment when we realize the voices that scream for the crucifixion and death of Jesus are ours. But there's good news in the terror of this story. When the crowd shouts out, Jesus doesn't flinch. He doesn't slip away into the night and escape what's about to happen. He came and dwelt among us. He passed through the waving palms and marched with us to the hill of death, the place of the skull. He stood in the face of terror, stood before the screams of crucifixion, stood amongst the terrible, horrifying, painful depravity of humanity, and whispered softly, I love you still. 